Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. It's always beautiful to hear a story from one of the spouses. It's even more beautiful when you hear the other side as well. Well, last week at King of Stories from Down Under, we had Steve Scrimger. Tonight, we have the amazing privilege to hear his beautiful wife, Rosalind, sharing her life story. I can't wait to hear it. So I hope you're going to enjoy this. Welcome to the show, Rosalind. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's a joy for us. I mean, to, to hear Steve's story and now yours is just going to be awesome, awesome. Yes, the other side of the coin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you came to do this. So when you go to, let's say, you're at a dinner party. Yes. Everybody has shared a little bit about themselves. And now the focus is on you. Mm. And they say, so Rosalind, tell us a little bit about you. What do you say? So I am normally the one that would sit in the background and let my husband do a lot of the talking. He's not at the table this time. He's not at the table. So Steve is very funny. Yeah. I would probably uh, share a story from my background or um, my family life. How, how would you introduce yourself? I'm Rosalind. Yeah. I'm a mother of three. Yes. And I am living my dream life. <laughs> the life that I thought that I would live when I was a young girl. I'm living in the golden years. Yeah. Yeah. It's What makes it so golden? I had a dream of what I would envision and it involved children, involved loving God, being married to someone that loved Jesus and being in the right place at the right time and doing what God wanted me to do in that place and here I am. It's just and Feeling Amazing. totally restful in that, at ease in that. At ease and also excited for what's ahead. How old were you when you had that dream? Probably from a very young age. Yeah? Yeah. i just been in love with Jesus for as long as I can remember. It's one of so my first So you grew up in a, in a Christian family? Grew up in a Christian family. Uh, we didn't go to church very much. Uh, my father worked mostly seven days a week. Mm-hmm. They, he had a business or he was working for someone? Yeah, he started a business before I was born and it was on our property. Mm-hmm. And we would, we were just hard to have uh, my Farming family. or? No, so he has an earth moving equipment business. Yeah. And so he would start it off fixing machines and yes. then he branched out and buying machines and hiring them out to shires and contracting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So Christian, my mum and my dad uh, would teach us the word and we'd sing scripture songs and... Uh, How many children? Three brothers, one sister. Oh. Yeah. So, so were you really spoiled or you had to be a bit of a, of a tomboy with them? Because it's usually one way or the other. 
I grew up being tomboy, yeah. catching up with my older brothers because I'm right in the middle. Okay. Two older brothers, uh, so I was always trying um, to do what they do. We grew up on a farm, so and so they have motorbikes and used to fix horses? things. No horses. No, we're not quads? horses only. Quads, motorbikes. Yes. Okay. Lots of machinery, uh-huh. <laughs> and I just I just love that, and uh, I think one thing. That Steve often picks me up. I'm like, oh, that's a really nice truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. That is gold. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, it's not something that people normally think about me. That I like, I like machines. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are cars and there are machines, and you're talking about machines because you know the difference. Yes. Most people don't know the difference. Yes. Well, when we started dating, Steve would arrive in his really old Honda that had self-painted stripes on, <laughs> whereas all my brothers were in really nice uh, like Mustangs, Corvettes, oh, yeah. really nice cars. V8s, powerful. Mm, yes. Muscle. Yes. Cars. <laughs> what were you driving? What was your first car? I drew, uh, first was a Holden and yeah. then a Toyota. I wasn't... Uh, on that side of the muscle cars. Okay. No, I was more of a practical person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have something that gets me from A to B. Mm. What are your first memories of childhood? One of my first memories was Give My Heart to Jesus. It was one of my very first ones. And I did it on my own in my room. I had a salvation prayer on a pamphlet I used to get posted to me, little mm-hmm. Bible stories yes. that were sent out to children. My mum signed me up and it had lessons on there for fitted to your age. Yeah. And I just remember reading on the back of this lesson that I had and just gave my heart to Jesus. You would have been eight, nine? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, uh, did you tell your parents? I don't think I did. I think I just carried on and... Were the boys spiritual or were, they, um, or they were more playful and not really thinking too much about that? Yeah, more playful. We were in a Christian home, but because we weren't at church every Sunday, we would just go every now and then. Uh, they probably got into God a little bit later in life, mm-hmm. in their teenage years. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any, uh, any stories of... Uh, fights with your brothers or any were they were they tough on you or were they nice to you my second eldest brother and i would fight a lot oh yes yes we'd have chats about uh, not being uh, not teasing and me not getting beaten <laughs> <laughs> did you fight back oh he was way bigger than me uh it was more you know the younger sister poking the older brother okay yeah yeah that's cute yeah but we're all pretty close all five of us live within about 15 minutes of each other now oh so they're nearby yes so who's with the uh, your dad's business is still going yes are they working with your dad yes all three brothers work in the business oh that's wonderful so that that is very rare it is so your dad must be a good man that they stuck around he is yeah he's uh, he's a very generous man. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, one of the most generous people I know. That's yeah, he's, beautiful. Uh, just inspired me, inspired our family to be generous mm-hmm. in what gives what God gives us, and he lives with such an open hand. Yeah. And you know things aren't his; they're mm. ours. And I just love that. I want that in our family that what God gives us isn't just our, you know, it's mine. And, yeah. But to be open-handed in what he gives us is such a beautiful way to live. Mm. Mm. Well, when you're open-handed, you can't really keep anything, can you? <laughs> it <Yeah>. falls. <laughs> yeah. yeah and but I, you actually have a choice where you hand that. Yes. And I think that's very important because that comes back to responsibility, how you distribute you know, the wealth that the Lord has given you, how well you steward the resources that the Lord puts yes. in your hands. Yeah, it's such a learning curve as well, stewardship. And as much as we learn in that area, hmm. I feel like when we give, not just of our time, but, you know, financially as well, God's just pours back into us. It's yeah. just amazing, the bounce back. Hmm. And not expecting it but just it just comes in and yeah. he, it flows out and he just pours it back into us it's just that's right it's beautiful yeah yeah i think uh, it's very hard to get to that place mm. um yeah i don't think many people do get there because it's so i think by default you know we we, we try to grab things yes and uh generosity is so big in, in God's kingdom that mm. it's almost like you got to learn and you learn it by doing it yes uh, kids learn it very quickly if you train them in that way and you've probably seen that and sometimes you wonder why can't I do it the way they do it <laughs> so, so freely yeah it's yeah. beautiful and you're still on the farm with with your parents uh, you still you live there with them uh, no so we live on a farm with my sister mm-hmm and uh, we love it. Okay. And growing up on a farm, and you just get used to that lifestyle. Yeah, a lot of hard work, cutting the grass, cleaning. Yeah, it's the not farm. too bad. Is it a bush block, or you've got? Uh, some... We have our beef cattle on there. You've got beef cattle. Yeah, so we're looking after it at the moment. Okay. My sister and her family looked after it for a few years, and now yeah. we do it, and it's good fun. Um, yeah. It's not too intensive, so. Yeah, they're pretty much on their own, aren't they? You just got to bring the vet, make sure they've got food and stuff. And yes, but it is beautiful, and for the kids, I think the lifestyle is just amazing, isn't it? It's are they awesome. homeschooled or are they uh, in public school or? Uh, they're in our uh, public school. We've actually just moved our elder son to a Christian school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been praying for a long time about where God would want him to be. Yep. And he spoke quite clearly about him being with people that love Jesus. And he's in... So is there a Christian school nearby? Is it a hillside or Rehoboth? Or... Uh, we were going to put him into Kerry, into okay. their Forestdale okay. campus. Oh, there is a... Uh, there's a Kerry It's a little Baptist. bit closer to us. Okay, yeah. okay. Kerry oh, Baptist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wonderful. those formidable years for a child. Yeah. Growing up in a, in a Christian atmosphere. Very um, important. Yes. Mm. Great. Yeah. So teenage years um, in Perth. So you, you were born in Perth? Yes. Born and raised here? I was born here. I went to just a public local school in Baldass. Mm-hmm. 
and I went to a Catholic college in Rockingham called yep. Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I I was close to God all through my Teenage primary years. school years. Okay. Then when it hit high school, I wasn't that popular in primary school. Mm-hmm. Then when it hit high school, for some reason, I have no idea why, hit the the popular group in high mm-hmm. school year eight and drifted away from God in probably year eight, year nine, those early years of high school, uh, partying and um, enjoying that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then pretty quickly saw the falsehood in in that lifestyle of just stepping away from a godly lifestyle. Were your parents aware of this? No. I you, you could hide it? I could hide it. I would go to friends' houses and then we'd sneak off to a party or... Yeah. And... Would you drive? Not not drive yet. How, how would you get away? Because no, there's so, quite, quite some big distances down south there. Yeah, so we'd have older older people that could drive. Yeah. Pick us up and yeah, take us to parties and, uh, or even just my fr- my friend's parents would drop us off. Yeah. Um, oh, they didn't mind, you know. They didn't have they didn't the values mind. that your family would have had. Yeah, and I just saw that that's not what I wanted. It didn't didn't fit in. No. You'd do it, but you wouldn't fit in. That's right. And mm-hmm. um, alcohol. Yeah, so we'd have older people that would supply Buy. alcohol yeah. and it's just I couldn't I couldn't handle that feeling of not having control of myself. Mm. And so my brothers they started going to a youth ministry in Armadale. Yeah. Uh, southeast of Perth and when I was of age <laughs> I was able to go. Yeah. And I just let go of that party lifestyle and uh, it was just it, it was home it was home it couldn't compare no to walking with God it was mm. just a different sphere to walk in and I I didn't look back from that it was just this is it it was also good that you didn't damage yourself there wasn't too many scars or anything like that That's you right. just stopped in time Mm. where it could have gone I mean Rockingham when you think about it is quite a harsh area there's a lot of drugs there's a lot of um, crime there yeah could have could have gone really bad and possibly that's where you would have gone to parties in that area in that prison yeah a lot of my friends were doing drugs at that time and some of them dropped out of school Mm. and the consequences are pretty dramatic in in that Mm. age group yes yeah, but I think having a Christian background, I had a line. You had anchor. <laughs> a line a that I would not cross. Oh, okay. So yeah. if I go to party, I wouldn't cross over that line. And, and you kept yourself away from the boys, which was... Yes. That's probably what sheltered you as well. Yes. I wasn't, there were some things that were non-negotiable, basically. Absolutely. And I think that's that's a key. And I, I feel with that because uh, I was the same when I was a teenager, so I... I'd go, let's say, I go to not so many parties, but I go to a nightclub or you know a pub, and just meet people and talk. But mm. you know, I knew that. So first of all, I wasn't drinking, so I couldn't have the fun that we're having. In the sense, it didn't make sense to me. Mm. 
Mm. I'd play pool, I'd chat to people, you know. And then on the other side, you know, I couldn't really go with the girls because I was going to sleep with them. Mm. So you, you basically, you came back home and you thought, well, why did I even bother? You know? Yeah. Um, Waste of time. <laughs> but then, you know, you just, it's because you, you're searching for your identity. You mm. don't know what you're trying to fit in. You, it's like the norm. Well, everyone's going out. Why should I stay home? It's Friday night or Saturday night. So mm. it's interesting because you're searching. You're searching, and that's that's how I was as well. So, mm. and then uh, so your brothers took you when uh, must have been fourteen. Sixteen. Or sixteen for you, mm. and uh, you became part of uh, that ministry. You, you you got really into it, didn't you? Oh, I, I loved it. I was just after being in the world and seeing what it was like. It was just like light to me. Mm and had amazing friendships there and I just love serving you began house. serving being fully immersed in it fully immersed so you were teaching you were helping out organizing yeah, stuff running life group and uh, yeah trying to be on any team I could get onto yeah I was just super keen yeah. <laughs> I loved I loved being involved uh-huh. yeah and you also had abilities you, you had a bit of a leadership uh, an organ- organizational ability, didn't you? You were well organized. You could just see things. Was that a natural mm-hmm. ability, or you picked that up uh, working with that, or it just came naturally? Mm-hmm. And the my youth pastors would call me out to do certain things, and yeah. I'd just step up and get it done. And Wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I loved running teams, and yeah, uh, I definitely learned how to be people focused rather yeah. than task focused okay and so having that ability to get a job done and Mm -hmm. love the people at the same time wow i just i loved did you have good mentors around you as well or yeah excellent so i was at uh champion lakes so i had Mm -hmm. uh david and reardon were the youth pastors at that time yeah and they were excellent at just raising up leaders a lot of the leaders that in that ministry are now pastoring themselves wow. and they've grown. It's amazing how, how important that is if yeah. there's a strong leadership or people that equip. Mm. But yeah. they really exhibited how to do family and ministry. Mm-hmm. They did it as a couple and they had their boys and they were all involved in serving the young people. I just thought it was amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's very inspirational. And then you went to, after finishing year 12, what did you do? You went to college or? I went to a travel college. Mm-hmm. I did that for six months and picked up a job in Leaderville. And so I did that for a few years. Where did you work in Leaderville? Uh, as a ski mart, travel mart on okay. Car Street. Okay. It's just a little agency. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So. Galileo. Yes. <laughs> so many codes. Yeah. <laughs> That was good. Yeah. yeah was good I think fun. I know it. It's just behind uh, the little hotel. Yeah. Uh, so the it was next to a little Thai restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So you like to snowboard. It's not there anymore. Not there anymore. No. Oh, you and you went on ski trips as well. Of course. You had to. Yeah. <laughs> <It> was part <laughs> of the package. The product. So, so Threadwell. Uh, uh, we did Victoria. So I did Falls Creek and Mount Buller. Okay. And I've done the South Island of New Zealand. Oh. Yeah, and Japan. Mm. Nice. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love skiing. 
So my wife and I have skied in the US, we've skied in uh, New Zealand. I've skied in Australia, I don't think she has skied in Australia. But I love them. I skied in Austria as well. Oh, amazing. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Mm. Night skiing in the US was just glorious because it wasn't busy. Yes. And it was so affordable. You'd pay like 25 US dollars to ski from 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 8.30 at night. So for four and a half hours. Wow. And the slopes were absolutely empty. So mm. you just go on this. I mean, some of the slopes were like four kilometers. You know, your quads would just be burning. <laughs> and uh, no no cues, no, no waiting. In fact, you didn't have enough time to recover to enjoy the, the downhill skiing again. That's wow. how awesome it was. I learnt on the off-season yeah, because it was cheaper for when we could go. Yeah. So you learnt very quickly because mm. it was icy. Mm. So when you fall, it would hurt, bruise very badly. Yes, yeah, especially on, on snowboard. Snowboard. Yeah, yeah mm. I, I did skiing. So yeah. Probably a bit easier to ski than to snowboard. Depends. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't skied, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, and um, you worked in Leaderville. And um, mm. when did you meet Steve? I met Steve when I... Uh, actually, we met very young. We were at the same party when uh, we were about 11, 12. You just don't remember? Or you do? No, we do remember being at the same party. It was when my uncle's was a pa- pastor in the city. Yeah. And it was his 50th and his family knew my uncle. Okay. So we were at the same party together. And we just have this joke about God laughing, <laughs> knowing what was going to happen. <laughs> Rubbing his hands, yeah. You have no idea what's yes. going on with these kids. <laughs> uh, so Steve and I met uh, when we were going to a youth conference. And he was just this vivacious young man. And I thought... This guy is way too confident for me. <laughs> okay. And but you, we were, were, you were quite confident as well. I was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of my friends got married when they were 18, 19 in my church. Okay. So I was 23 when I met Steve. And I was... Old by then. In a way. I was on the shelf. <laughs> and... People would say I'd have to marry a very unique person because I had a, a leadership ability and yeah. I need a very strong person to be able to... Of course. ...to gel with you. Yeah. And Steve was that man. Mm. Yes. So we just stay connected over a couple of years. We bumped each other mm-hmm. in the city and then, uh, t- yeah, about 23, we started dating. Could you tell that he was... Uh after you, like in the, in the real sense? Oh, yeah. he was all guns blazing. <laughs> all guns blazing. So how did you resist all the other boys? I'm sure, you know, being in a church, being amongst young people and going to conferences, I'm sure that many boys would have knocked at the door. I didn't date at all uh, pretty much since I started youth ministry. I just was not interested in dating until it was the right time I really gave that part of to God and said it's when it's the right time I want to I want to know so how would you decline those um, people that would have come to you uh, 
just apologise if I've given in any inclination that I was interested. Yeah. Say I'm sorry and I'm not interested. And we can still be friends. <laughs> Did you feel the reputation of not being interested uh, among among your circle of friends? I guess enough for when Steve came along, people were surprised that I was even pursuing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because your I friends think, would have known you, so if, if somebody was said to your friend, "Oh, you know, I want to get in touch with Rosalind. Um, what do you what do you think? What I should do?" You know, they. I'm sure your friends would have said, "No chance." You know, or what would they have said to you? Do you? Oh, I think you need to have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, they might, might not have a try, but um, I was just waiting for that peace of God in me. Okay. When the time was right, and. Were you afraid that you would make a mistake? No. No? No. Because at that time I was doing ministry, so I was doing three different roles. I was studying at college, doing Bible study, so... Yeah, you felt that you were in, in the right space. Yes. So God would prompt you. Yes. You'd, you'd, you'd have the discernment. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because... I got married when I was 29 mm. and uh, I was afraid that I would stuff up in the sense, you know, because I had done mission work and had traveled the world and, uh, you know, when you do mission work, you stay with families, you don't stay in hotels, you just can't afford it. And <laughs> man, I thought, if I end up like some of these pastors and some of these men, you know, I'm, I'm stuffed. I mean. God bless them, but some of the ladies that I met, I would not even consider in my mind to have such a marriage, you know. And uh, I, w- I was a little bit afraid in a sense. It was good. It, it was a healthy fear because mm. I didn't want to stuff up. And that's why I'm asking you this question because... Mm. So what I did is <laughs> I started... Uh, so I, I made a covenant with myself at about 25 that I will not date another girl, even though I had many girlfriends before, until I find the one that I'm going to marry. Yes. And I started praying for my future wife. And (laughs) I started fasting one day a week for my future wife. Wow. And uh, I did that for a year, 50, 52 days of fasting. And I was reading books about, you know, marriage and getting ready to be married. Yes. I thought I was, you know, preparing, you know, I was actually preparing myself, you know, God was working on me, not on my future <laughs> wife, but I was praying for her, for God was working on me, you know. And then two years and then three years. It was three years. Wow. So, so you just keep fasting one day? Yeah, 156 wow. or no, 162 days of fasting. Amazing. Yeah. And then when I met Raluca, as you said, I knew she was it, mm. which is crazy. You know, when I say that to people, they say, what do you mean you knew she was it, man? That's impossible. Mm-hmm. I, I said to them, you just don't get it. It took, it took me three years to get to that place, <laughs> you know, <laughs> plus all the rest. Yeah. So, but by then the fear had dissipated, you know, there was no more fear because I was in the right place. Yes. And I think you got there a lot quicker than I did, which is great. Mm. Yeah, so I discovered it was like, it was like <clears throat> open doors. So when he popped the question, you were ready? Yes. 
Yes, we'd. I think we'd already decided what date we would get married, and okay. Uh, I think we would try to get married earlier, but it just it couldn't work. Okay. You need, you need to... So where did you get married? We married in a church just north of Perth, mm-hmm. and we just tried to find a church that would fit as many people as we could get there. Okay. <laughs> we both had large, large communities. We wanted to be there, and then we had our reception in the. South Perth Yacht Club in okay. uh, South Perth. Hmm. That's in Apple Cross, isn't it? Apple Cross, yeah. yes. Beautiful place. I've, I've, I've been to weddings there. Yes. So what church did you get married in? Uh, good question. It was, on, it was on Church Avenue in north east of Perth. Okay. Yeah, it was not our, one of our churches we went to. It was yeah. just uh, a beautiful building we enjoyed and... It was an old, old kind of church. It was an older style church, mm-hmm. and uh, we could have our own music, so. Which is good, because mm. uh, maybe in that era, people were very hesitant to give out churches, and you had to, you know, go by their rules, their priests. They had their own organ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go on your honeymoon? We went to Kota Kinabalu. Oh, Malaysia, yeah. beautiful, yeah. Borneo. Because I was a travel agent, I. Oh, you knew that. Was able to get some nice deals. Yeah. Mm. Snorkeling, yeah. beautiful there. Oh, it was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah they had a, an orangutan sanctuary yes. attached to the resort. Mm. And it's beautiful because uh, I mean, you knew. Did you know that for a while we had direct flights from Perth to Kota? Malaysian Airlines mm. flew direct. Yes. And then on and off season, uh, most of the time you had to fly through KL. Beautiful place, beautiful mm. place. I've been through Kota. I've done a lot of work on the island on, on Borneo with missions. So okay. uh, even one of our missionaries that we sponsored in Indonesia, she was working with the Dayak tribal people in Indonesia. So Borneo is quite big. It's called mm. Kalimantan yes. uh, for the Indonesians. And I used to say to her, you know, I'm going to sponsor you to go on holidays. You know, so you got to go to Beijing and Kota Kinabalu mm. every two, three months for, uh, you know, three, four days. Beautiful. And I'm going to pay for you to stay in a four-star resort and just, you know, have air conditioning and relax and just detach yourself from the ministry. And she felt so guilty to do that. Wow. But it was so good for her. Mm. Um, because those places are really, really nice. Yes. So how long were you in Kota? Uh, we did 10 days there. 10 days, beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, we loved it there. And we then, loved the tropical holidays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got, you've been back? We haven't been back, but we've done quite a few. So because you worked in a travel agent, you mm. could go quite easily in a lot of places. Yeah, and stay really nice places at nice. cheap prices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you did well because now with COVID, you can't travel. So at least you banked up a bit of yes. <laughs> holidays and some photos for that. So That's true. fine. Um, you didn't fall pregnant uh, for a while. And uh, that was, um, you wanted to have children, didn't you? Quite early. And yeah. it didn't happen for a few years. Yeah. So when I was about 20, I was given a diagnosis that it was going to be very difficult to have children. Mm-hmm. And when the doctor gave me that diagnosis, uh, when he left, I just had the peace of God just fill that hospital room. Mm-hmm. And that promise of everything is going to be okay. 
and we just held on to that despite you know the setbacks of wanting to have children and yeah trying for years and not being able to have them mm. it was uh, an epic journey and we just stood on God's promises and I think infertility is such a it's a topic that's not talked about in church very Mm. much and I think a lot of families do face it and it's heartbreaking yeah and to really journey through with God and to know him in those places in the valleys and in those times when we're not getting what we want Mm. even though you've you've said it and to hold on to him, it creates a depth in you that you didn't have before. Yeah. And when you walk with God in those really hard valleys, and it's a beautiful thing in that suffering, that suffering that we have with him, mm. uh, it's, it creates compassion in you for others. Yeah. Mm makes you more human doesn't it absolutely everyone wants to be spiritual and god says i want to make you more human yeah you know i think i think to be fully godly is to be fully human Mm. do you you understand what i'm saying i mean to understand the rawness of life and the the difficulty of it all and the miracle of life because in effect everything is a miracle the fact that we're here is a miracle in itself Yes. And uh, we take we take for granted. We take procreation for granted. It's mm-hmm. like we expect it to happen. I mean, it's the most amazing gift of God. But yes. it, it is a gift. It is a miracle that it happens. It's so beautiful. And yeah. I think the, the suffering in the church, we don't fully understand mm. that it's a journey that when we do it with God, it's um, growth in us. And you're right, like we become more human and understanding and the suffering of Christ and we share in that with him. Yeah. It's a special union that happens in those times. And unless we walk through them, we'll never truly understand. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, Amit, obviously, and the suffering that he's gone through. Mm. And uh, we had him here at Kingdom Stories not long ago. And the way he shared and I mean, you know, he battled cancer Mm. and he was dead in every way, as you can imagine. Mm. And yet he he sees it as one of the most wonderful uh, chapters of his life because the intimacy that he has with God Mm. is just amazing. And to have it on this side of eternity, to experience it in such depth. Yes. It just changes your perspective. Sometimes, you know, going through a death experience is one of the biggest blessings because it does ground you, it does make life look Mm. so much more real and meaningful and, you know, the sense of, you know, appreciation for everything is just up there. Yes. We, We struggled to fall pregnant for 11 years. Wow. And um, so I, you know, I feel with you. Yeah. 
Mm. And um, then eventually we, we did conceive naturally and um, we lost the baby. Oh. So it was heartbreaking, you know, mm. in the second semester. And um, that's devastating. Yeah, we yeah. lost we lost the baby uh, in 2019. Mm. And after having you know eight years of trying for a baby, we had Peter. Yeah. And we'd had Charlotte five and a half years later. Yes. And we'd only ever fallen pregnant twice mm. in all that time. So yeah. then we fell pregnant the third time. It was almost like it was holy yeah. to be pregnant. Mm. It was that precious. Mm. And so then to lose the baby, you know, just before 12 weeks. Nathaniel uh, was the only time when I felt pregnant, when the doctor gave us the news that we're pregnant, I was surprised because we hadn't been, you know, trying for yeah. three, four, five years at that time. It was a surprise to us. And the sensation when she told me, and I hadn't had it with any of my other children, was that the top half of me was in heaven. Yeah. And the bottom half of me was on earth. Mm. It was just the most elated feeling I'd, I'd had unique to all the other ones. Yes. And when we'd found out that uh, the child had passed at 11 weeks... Uh, it gave me an understanding of the preciousness of a scrimmage child. Yeah. <laughs> and God couldn't wait till the end of their lives to have a scrimmage child in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted that child to grow up with him face to face yeah. with him in heaven by the river of life. Yeah. And that's where we see that child that's waiting for us in heaven and it's such a precious thing to know that that child is safe in the arms of the father will grow up in the light of his face it's just amazing he's part of the cloud of witnesses yeah cheering you on to finish your race well yeah and we'll see him again yeah he's playing with Yosha Ben our daughter (laughs) yes my mom and dad are there as well Beautiful. Yeah. Apparently there's um, probably about a quarter of heaven is full of kids, you know. Mm. There's a lot of miscarried children in the world and aborted children. Mm. Probably half of heaven is probably kids. Yeah, it's a fun place then. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of noise. Yeah. yeah. Kids bring so much life. Mm. I sometimes ask my kids, I said, I said to them, how is it in heaven? Can you tell me? And until the age of five, they used to tell me things that were very particular that they wouldn't have known any other way. Mm. I asked my seven-year-old the other day, I said, do you remember how it was in heaven? She said, no, I don't remember anymore. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, We were on a trip in Queensland and we were at the end of the trip and Stephen had been praying. Was that night time? Yeah. gone to bed and I was just reading my Bible and Steve was praying for our daughter she was about one at that time mm-hmm. just praying over her future and her, her husband and who she'd have in her life and her kids and 
and Steve just felt God was just like bringing gifts and giving them to her as he was asking her. Yeah. And then he went and prayed and God was like, if you pray for another half an hour, I'll reveal myself to you. And so he prayed and in that time he fell asleep and then he got up and then he came to bed and I just would have been reading the Bible talking about stealing God's glory and we just spent some time together uh, just repenting for times when we'd stolen God's glory in our family and what he's been doing in our family. Yeah. And so the next day we're driving to the Daintree rainforest yeah. and we're talking about our dreams. We both had dreamed that night and Steve had a dream where he'd met a person that he connected with later on mm-hmm. and they're doing some kingdom work together. Yes. And in my dream, I'd had a person in my life that had persecuted me as a Christian in high school and in the dream was an angel and I was interpreting the symbols on this angel to him. And as I was speaking to him, he was being transformed into his fullness into God. Yes. So he would not be just a baby Christian. He would be instantly serving the kingdom. So we're talking about our dreams in the car. Yeah. And in the back seat, my son pipes up, oh, I went to heaven last night. And then our son Peter just starts to... Disclose. Disclose what happens. And because of what had happened to us, we'd had these incredible dreams. And then the way he described it was like he was reading from the Bible. Yeah. And the words that came out of his mouth were not of a six-year-old. Sure. Talking about holiness. And he described the way that God spoke to him. And yes. He sat on God's lap. Yeah. And when he sat on God's lap, he couldn't see God at first because he was so bright. And then God let him see him. Yeah. And just the way a child describes heaven. And he said he sat on his lap when he was on the throne. And he said, all the bottom of my legs was full of light because I was sitting on, on God and he is light. Yeah. And then he described about eating. He said, as soon as I was hungry, God brought me a sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, and he said it was delicious. It was like all different flavors at once wow. as he ate the sandwich. So there's bread in heaven. Mm, it was beautiful. Yeah, wow. so just the in- encounters that he had there. It just when you're having a bad day, mm. it changes everything, doesn't it? You just you just think on him, God, full of light, mm. and the words he spoke over our son about who he is and who he will be. At such a uh, young age, does he still remember it? Yes, yeah, we talk about it often. So we wrote it down and actually when he was talking about it in the car, we quickly recorded recorded on our phone. Good. Just to uh, a snapshot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to capture that moment because it's so powerful. Mm. I mean, that keeps you going. It's just, I mean, to get a glimpse of heaven. Mm. When you think about Stephen, when he saw the glory of God, Mm. he was praying for those who were killing him. Didn't care. You know, it was just... So absorbed by it all. Yes. That's yeah. amazing. So we saw the angels in front of the throne. So thousands of 
angels worshipping for the throne. And then he saw the warrior angels, he called them. Yeah. And they had special swords for fighting the devil. Wow. (laughs) So whenever he's, you know, having a bad dream or having we're having a bad day yeah you think of the the warfare you know that is going on that we don't see on our behalf yeah Mm. man that's beautiful yeah and it's nice that this revelation came through your son not just through you or steve Mm. you know it's i think there's more joy in that when you see your children experiencing the presence of god and being open in their hearts to to accept that and allow that to happen. Oh, it's, it's another dimension, isn't it? Another level of joy. <laughs> it's so beautiful to see them encounter God in that way. It's just so precious. That's good on you. I mean, good on you, Steve, because you facilitate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think every parent wants that, but it's it's in the relentless of every day in pursuing God and creating a space for Him mm-hmm. in worshipping and serving Him and then those things come as a byproduct of, you know, our positioning in Christ. Mm. And just the language of God speaking to a child mm. and for us to lower ourselves as parents yeah. to be able to make it understandable for them. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. I, um, I recently led a uh, CEO of a company in Europe to the Lord. I've been coaching this guy for almost two years wow. and eventually I led him to the Lord. Beautiful. Uh, I started off as a positive psychology coaching and finished in spiritual coaching and then salvation coaching and I don't know what it is now. It's equipping, it's discipleship coaching. But he said, you know, what Bible college should I go to? What what should I do? I said, I said, go to the library and start reading uh, children's storybooks about Jesus. Wow. She said, he said, why? I said, because they're the most beautiful stories you'll ever read about the Lord. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I said, you don't need the thick theology. You don't need the, you know, um, Matthew Henry's commentary on, on the Bible, even though it's wonderful. I mean, maybe one day you will get there. Yes. Just read, I said, kids' stories. Read the Bible, you know, the story of, of children. Mm, I love that. Because if you, if you can... If you can receive the gospel and the kingdom as a child, mm. that means you'll get there. Yes. Yeah. You know, the others, yeah, the others mean well, but they make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get your head around it. So. There's so much knowledge. Mm. I love reading children's stories. Like, they they just for me, they help me. You know, I do a show about clarity. It's mm. called a bit of clarity, and. Uh, the key to everything that I do is about offering that clarity. And I've learned that by listening to children and how they structure everything, how they frame everything, mm. they make it so clear. They don't complicate things, they make it clear. So if you can explain it to a child, you can explain it to anybody. Yeah, such a great. Oh, and the gospel can be, gospel can be explained to a child. Yes. And then, you know, listen to it being told by a child. I think that's even more beautiful. Yeah, daughter Charlotte, she just loves Jesus. Mm. Just, just today, I went up, put her to sleep. I said, "Just talk to Jesus. You fall asleep." I just saw her, just reach on there and go, just kiss her. Yeah, 
So she, I said, he's, he's with you, like he's right in front of me. <laughs> Just as I'm about to close the door, I saw that snapshot of her. Kissing Jesus. Kissing Jesus. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm. I mean, this is priceless. What, what you're instilling in them. Mm. It's just beautiful because it gets into their DNA, in their blood, in every cell of their being. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's an identity yes. that can't be stolen from them. Absolutely. I think if parents, those who hear us, if they can tap into this uh, power of God mm. and just allow it every day to drip on their children with blessings, mm. you know. You know, we bless our children. I bless my kids almost every week. Yes. I look them in the eyes and I recite the priestly blessing from, you know, Aaron's priestly blessing from Numbers. And I, I just bless them with whatever the Lord gives me pro prophetically in that moment. Mm. And I try and do that every week. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, if I do that every week for six years, that means they heard their dad blessing them 300 times. Mm. Now a child that has heard his or her father bless them 300 times will have an edge, a spiritual edge in everything they do in life. Mm. Their identity, their love, their assurance, their stability. Mm. I mean, we just invest, invest, invest in them, the love of God. Yes. And uh, it's so simple to do, mm. but so difficult to do at the same time. Because the whole hell comes against you. When you want to do that, you'll, you'll, everything will, will come against you. Mm. But if you're able to just resiliently carry on and go for it, whether you feel like it or not, mm. the results are endless. It's just beautiful. Yeah, we try and instill in our kids that they have the world at their feet mm. and, and to be good stewards. What touched me very much was a um, good friend of our family, they're German, oh she's Australian, he's German, and um, when they introduced their boy to me, he's four years old, uh, at the time he was four years old, and uh, he would say, this is Yuri, and Yuri loves Jesus. And you know, when I meet most other parents, even Christian parents, and they introduce their children, they will say, this is Peter, and he's good at basketball. Or this is Joy, and she loves dancing. And they will have an action or a hobby or something attached to it. But this, this scenario of uh, Rudy, who's my German friend, when he says, this is Yuri, and he loves Jesus. Oh. I thought how powerful that is. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, at the age of four, mm. when the child knows that he loves Jesus, what an identity, what an identity. Beautiful. It's not performance-based. It's not worldly. Mm, it's just it's who heavenly. we are. Yeah. And I think, you know, as parents, I just pray that we get it. Mm. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That great, we get great it. grace to get it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because uh, you don't want to miss it, you know. I mean, I meet so many parents who regret that they haven't done enough for their children or they haven't said enough or they mm. ignore that those early years and they leave you with so many regrets. Mm. And I don't want that. Yes. I don't want that. So I feel very responsible. 
And I know I still make mistakes, but we don't stop there. Yeah, that's right. We're always learning, especially as they grow to yeah. to always be prayerful about what to do next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? You have three beautiful children. Mm. You're writing a book. Yes. I felt pretty early on in our journey that God wanted us to share our testimony about what was happening and mm-hmm. how we led us through and to see the promise fulfilled. Yes. And that promise was fulfilled in 3rd of January this year. Okay. <laughs> and when the little one was born. Yeah, when number 3 was born, that was number 4 really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And is that the story? The story is of the last few years, last 3 4 years. Uh, so it's from the beginning, so okay. from when I was 20 all the way through. So starting from me believing it and then... So it's a story about mm. uh, infertility and coming to believe and carry on yeah. and seeing a miracle. Yeah, really to uh, to get some fundamental things right in your home life, mm-hmm. um, right as well. And just your walk with God, like yeah. if you have a promise from God, to be all in. Yeah. Like if you're half in, then it doesn't get you very far. That's and right. If you throw all everything in, then it's whether you reach your goal, you don't reach your goal, you're gonna be so much closer to God than mm. if you don't get there in the end. Yeah. But the the story is about to really press into God and to be close to God in that season. Do you have a title for the book yet? Uh, still praying about it, but uh, In the Pursuit of Life is... In the Pursuit of Life. Mm, yeah. Life and my heart is to see that families would have their own breakthroughs in this area. Yeah. To see their wombs be opened in the church that haven't been opened yeah. before. Yeah. It will bring a lot of healing to a lot of people, I'm sure. Mm. Are you almost done with the book? How far are you through it? Yeah, just a couple of chapters left to go and then I'll be editing, so. Okay. Yes. Yeah, You've got exciting. somebody to help you? Yes. You've got a writing coach or? Yeah, I do have a few people uh, that I'm in contact with that can uh, help me in the process. No. So it's definitely a learning process. It is. And discipline. And I don't want to disappoint you, but writing it is the easiest part. Everything else that comes after it is a lot harder. I've heard the editing's hard. <laughs> editing is hard, uh, you know, copywriting or doing the, you know, final edits and then, you know, the publishing, the typesetting, the cover. Yes. Uh, and then marketing is a huge thing. But please do do an audiobook because Steve prefers audiobooks, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, people would love to hear your voice as well. So, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Read the story as well. I think it'll be nice. Mm, Yeah, I feel like it's a gift to be multiplied. Yeah. That that faith gift. It's not just for me. It's to be multiplied. Sure. Mm. Well, that's the apostolic keys and multiplication. Mm. So if you get that, I'm I'm glad that you, you, you know, you clicked. (laughs) (laughs) You saw the light. It's wonderful. Yes. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on it and uh, to read it and to inspire others and bless others. 
And uh, I just want to encourage you to share your story whenever you have opportunities because it does build people up. People learn mm -hmm. through stories. And we learn so much by, I mean, we even heal by mm -hmm. learning other people's stories. Yes. We are joining with a lady at the moment who, she's been trying to have a child for over 20 years and mm -hmm. she's in her early 40s. Yes. And just recently she miraculously conceived naturally. Beautiful. And then she lost the baby. Oh, damn. Mm. And uh, it's only been a couple of weeks, and it's raw and it's painful. And yes. uh, we are journeying with her. And my wife, obviously, because she's been there, uh, she's more in tune than I am. Mm. I still believe she will have a baby. I still believe that uh, she will conceive again and she will carry it to full term. Yes. And I say, you hold on to that promise of God and you hold on to hope. Mm. and don't give up yes you know age is a number you know mm. they're still they're Sarah still, was 90 yeah I don't want this particular lady to wait until 90 yes yes but you know mid 40s or early 40s is still okay absolutely you know? yeah let's just carry on and believe mm. and uh, I've seen so many miracles and so many miracle babies and conceptions so mm. There's enough evidence out there to believe. There's there's more reason to believe than not, not to believe. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, when we lost the baby in 2019, uh, I had the most incredible thing happen to me. I was just sad all the time. And for months afterwards, Steve had um, moved through it and I just wouldn't lift. Mm. And I said to him, I said, I think I need to go get some counselling, grief counselling. It's just yeah. this sadness wouldn't lift. And then I'd have the presence of God fall on me just when I was in my home, yeah. uh, when I was out. But it would just be all-encompassing. Yes. To the point where sometimes Steve would come home from work and... I couldn't do anything. It yeah. was amazing. And healing. And one night Steve came home and I said, I can't finish dinner. Like the just the glory of God in me is so thick, I can't do anything. Yeah. And he goes, You're drunk. Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to just just sit in the in the glory. And then after a time I said to him, I said, it's actually healing. Yeah. It was healing me. Yeah. And. Direct heavenly counseling. <laughs> Didn't have to pay for it. It was amazing. <laughs> and so this, this season of God healing me and it was just a beautiful time of yeah. him coming in close when I needed it the most. Yeah. It's allowing him to, to be God, I think. Mm. Yeah. it's interesting we know all this as Christians mm. yet when we need it the most we just it's like we forget <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know but it's uplifting to know that you know you bounce back and mm. you did receive the promise yes you're joyful now and you can write the story yeah I'm the tree planted by waters yeah hallelujah mm. that's beautiful <laughs> Well, I, I really love what you shared here tonight, talking about legacy. Mm. 
what would you like to be remembered by? So that dream that I had of the gift being multiplied when I was pregnant with Charlotte, that second, I was very heavily pregnant and I just felt, I just don't want this just for me. I want this to be for many, many women mm. to have this feeling of being fully pregnant and the promise about to be fulfilled. Yeah. And that's my, my dream is to have many women have that breakthrough in their own families. Yeah. And to know that feeling of God's gift inside of them. Yeah. And to have, and to hold it and to have it running around in their home and talking yeah. back at them, that gift of God in their families. And for that to be a legacy, to have other families to know that and to experience that. Experience the gift. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful, Rosalind. Yeah. Well, what a story, eh? I'm sure that among the many people who are watching this or listening to the, uh, to the podcast, there are people who are still waiting for the promises of God, especially for children. Well, we pray that you will experience the gift in your own home, in your own family, and you will see this miracle happen for you as well. It's happened for us. We have four children, one in safe deposit in heaven. Uh, Rosalind has three here and one in heaven as well. Don't give up. God can and God does perform miracles. In fact, that's his nature. He doesn't have to try to make miracles or perform miracles. He is supernatural. He doesn't have to try to be supernatural. That's his nature. For us, it's supernatural. For him, it's normal. <laughs> so just believe in that and receive. Receive the gift of God. Receive and experience that wholeness that he brings to you. I pray that this really blesses you and inspires you and gives you hope. And when this book comes out, you'll be able to read it or listen to it to build even more faith into you. If you love this content, and I'm sure that you do, do distribute it and pass it on to others and encourage others to listen to it, to watch it, so we can uh, help the people out there trust more in the Lord and just enjoy the journey with God every day, giving in and allowing God to be God in every situation in our lives. The Lord bless you, and we'll see you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.